Merry Christmas. My name is David. I'm the site pastor here at Grace Covenant in Sterling. And um, wasn't that special? My goodness. When I, um, you know, every single one of those people, as they get baptized, it's, it's a new sermon, right? It's a new, it's a new message. It's a new epistle. It's a new proclamation and demonstration of the love of God. And um, I, just, I just love being a part of a family that, that even looks the way that it looks, right? It's, you know, different backgrounds and different histories, but all pressing together towards the same future in Jesus together as we find unity under the cross. And um, it's hard to do anything but kind of reflect and, and stay on that. But we're gonna, I'm going I'm to continue to stay. I'm going to move forward. And we're going to stay in the series. Uh, this morning is the Advent message because it is the fourth Sunday of Advent. And then tonight will be more of the Christmas sermon. So tonight I'm talking about a prophecy of the coming of Jesus. And then tonight we're going to be talking about the fulfillment of the prophecy when, with the announcement of, of Christ. So if you're planning on being here tonight, awesome. You'll get, you'll get the, the one-two. Um, if you're not going to be here tonight, you can always catch it on, online or through a podcast later if you'd like. But we're going to be looking back at Isaiah chapter 7. And I want to offer some context before we read this together. In Isaiah chapter 7, uh, there's, a, there's a king called Ahaz. And Ahaz is the king of Judah. And, and, he, and Judah and the people of Judah and King Ahaz are terrified because two rival kings have joined forces. And they're going to come against Judah and they're going to destroy him. And they're terrified. They're freaking out. And they don't know what to do. Uh, the Bible describes it. It says that they were shaking like trees, right? So trees in the wind. So they were that terrified that the descriptor is shaking like trees in the wind. And so God, God sees them terrified. He sees, he sees them freaking out. And he's like, I'm going to send them a message through the prophet Isaiah. And so he sends Isaiah to King Ahaz with this message. And the, and the message was that uh, be careful, be quiet, do not fear. That's the message from God to these people who were terrified that they were going to be destroyed. Be careful, be quiet, and do not fear. Don't let your heart be faint. And so that's the message that Isaiah brought. And then, and then God engages in some, some good old-fashioned biblical trash talk. And he's like these, he, he calls them, um, don't be smoldering stumps of firebrands. I don't even know what that is. But you know it's trash talk. It's kind of like you don't, you don't, you don't necessarily, you can't necessarily define it, but you know when, you know when you see it? That's some biblical trash talk. That's God smacking down the other people for the purpose of building up his, his, his person, his man. And he's saying, come on, I need you to stand up. I need you to rise up. But, but it has his death. To the first message. And so what, instead of having kind of linear points today, what you're going to see is you see this oscillation between God's, God's insistence, God's man's resistance, and then God's persistence, right? Man was resisting God. He's terrified. He doesn't want to approach God. God insists. He comes. He brings the message. Man resists the message, but God persists and brings the message again. And you see this back and forth, this tug of war where Ahaz is, is wrestling with God and he's wrestling with his own fears and he's wrestling with the threat of everything that could come against him. It kind of feels like a, like a Monday morning or, <laughs> right? You know, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm not ready for today or Sunday night. You're like, I just don't want what's coming. 
People are teaming up on me. I do not want to go to work. I don't want what's coming to me after this vacation. I don't want what's coming to me when I go back to work in the new year. I don't want it. I'm terrified. And I'm shaking like a tree. And God's saying, come on, don't worry. Don't fear. Be careful. I'll be with you. They can't destroy you. I had one elder tell me one time, I was wrestling with some stuff in my life. I was really, really struggling. And it, it was a deep struggle. One of those ones that like, you know, you get encouraged and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you walk away and you're like, oh, what? <laughs> like he said something encouraging, but I couldn't find it. It was like, like, like holes in my pockets. Just everything I put in it just kept leaking. And then one day, one day I was telling him this and he, he goes, what's the worst that they could possibly do to you? And so I started describing the worst that could possibly happen to me. And it was really bad for me. And he goes, he, he, and so he like one up to me. He's like, it's not like they're going to kill you and eat you. And I was like, yeah, I guess it's not that. That was weird. But it hit the mark with me. What's the worst that man could do to me? But anyway, I had God fighting on my side. So that's the context for this message. That's the context for this, for what we're going to look at today. I just felt like uh, I wasn't even planning on going into that much detail. I think just maybe somebody in here is afraid of Monday morning. Not tomorrow being Christmas. But maybe you're afraid of the bills that come in after Christmas. Maybe. Maybe you're nervous about what 2018 has for you. I just want to let you know, be careful. Be quiet. Do not fear. God is fighting on your behalf. But we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 7. So, so go ahead and stand with me and we'll read this together. So we've had this back and forth between God through his prophet Isaiah and King Ahaz where they're kind of, they're, they're going back and forth. And now we enter into the scene here at Isaiah chapter 7 verses 10 through 15. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. I ask that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to comprehend the hope that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. So Isaiah shows up on behalf of God and says, ask for anything. There is nothing beyond your ability to ask for in this moment because God desires to do it for you as a sign that he's with you and that he hasn't abandoned you. I'm not, to be honest, as I, as I considered Ahaz the whole first half of the week, I, I, was, I was like, who is this clown? God came to him and said, you could ask anything at all. And he refused to ask. He refused to ask when he had this blank check written by God himself. And, and, I, and I, I felt pretty arrogant. I was like, who is this fool? That God came to him and offered him this enormous opportunity and he turned it down. And then God reminded me of a passage. In John chapter 14, verse 12, it says, Truly I say to you, 
Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And then I thought, why am I such a fool that God has come to me and offered me the opportunity to ask anything in his name? And if it's on the menu, for his glory, he'll do it. That's the David paraphrase version. So what I'm not saying is that you can go home tonight and you can ask for a Maserati and God will roll up a Maserati in your front driveway tomorrow with a big bow on it and the bill paid. That'd be pretty sweet. That Maserati dealership over on uh, next to the CarMax. And I've stumbled a lot in my life since that thing got built. It's, that's not on the menu. What is on the menu is the things that are aligned with his plan. But here's the cool thing. My kids have asked me for a lot of things this Christmas that they're not going to get. <laughs> that's not the cool part. <laughs> that's the bitter part. The cool part is as they asked me for things that they weren't going to get, I heard what was on my kid's heart. And as I heard what was on my kid's heart, it opened up the opportunity for us to have a conversation. And as my kids talked to me more about the things that were on their heart, I got to the root of the thing that they wanted and I got to understand why it is that they wanted it. And so I was able to direct their hearts towards things that I, that I intend for them to have. You, you hearing it? We have in prayer an opportunity to approach God. Tell him about the things that are on our heart, the things that are on our mind, the longings, the fears, the concerns. God was just basically saying, Ahaz, you're you're freaking out and everybody can see it. We know you're not keeping a secret. He's like, no, I'm good. And God's like, you're terrified. I see it. Just talk to me. No, I'm good. Come on, man. (laughs) For the love of me, (laughs) just ask. See what I did there? For the love of me. It was God speaking. Little Christmas dad jokes. He says, I won't test God. It is remarkable to me how spiritual I can sound when I'm resisting God. It's not even about Ahaz anymore. Yeah, Ahaz really happened, but I'm just talking about me on like Tuesday. I'm just, I don't feel led. I just... I just don't feel led to forgive that person. I just, just not a grace for it right now. <laughs> Anybody guilty of that? Or like, or like when I was asking for accountability, it's like, brother, I need you just to keep me accountable. Cause I, I'm just, my eating's out of control. Just, you know, I really had no intention of not eating the way I was. It was just kind of like, if you could remember to ask me every once in a while, how that's going, that'd be great. Um, But it's amazing how spiritual we can make unspiritual and resistance to God's sound. That's what Ahaz was doing. I'm not going to test God after God told him to ask. He's more spiritual than God was. It's kind of like the woman at the well. You know, she's like going head to head against Jesus about about where the proper place to worship is. It's like, I'm sorry but you're way outmatched by the one who's the object of all the worship that's to be given. 
I can only speculate as to why he didn't pray. I do know that in 2 Kings chapter 16, that's another book of the Bible that, that, that highlights the life of, of uh, the period of Kings. Um, we see that Ahaz is described as a wicked man, as a wicked king, as one of the worst kings. It makes me wonder if he didn't pray because he was wicked or if he became wicked because he didn't pray. And it's probably a little bit of a mix of both of those things as he refused to pray and approach the grace of God, as he refused that that wooing and that drawing of the Holy Spirit on his heart. His heart became hardened to the purposes and the plans of God. You and I have done the same thing where it's like, you know that feeling where you're you're like, I shouldn't do this. And you're like, oh, just a little bit. Let's use cake as an example, because that's benign, right? Cake or maybe nachos, where you're like, I really shouldn't, I really shouldn't do this. And then, you know, it's in the box, it's on the counter, you're not doing it. And then, like, I really, this is not a very good idea. And, and you're just thinking about how it's not a good idea, and you're just opening the box, reflecting about how you're not really going to eat it, you're just going to look at it, and you just want to smell the sugar a little bit. And then, and then you're like, this is really just a bad idea. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be doing this. And you've got the, the knife in your hand and then you're cutting it and you're like, I'm just cutting it for later. It's cool. And then, you know, somebody else, will, you know, maybe I'll just lick the knife. I'll just lick the knife after I cut some pieces for later, but I'm not going to eat the cake. And what's happening is your heart is getting harder and harder and harder to the thing that you knew before you even started that, man, I shouldn't be doing this cake. And then by the time you've tasted the icing, you're like, well, shoot, I've had a little bit of icing. <laughs> My body already, it needs more. And so you have that little sliver of cake and you're like, well, it's just a sliver. So it's all right. Right. Am I spending too much time on this illustration? Are you getting it? Is anybody else want cake? So you're, so it's too early for cake. It's Christmas. We can have cake. And so we cut it and you're having a little bit. We have cake after church. Oh, that was prophetic. And so the spirit of the Lord is leaning on cake this morning. I just feel it in my tummy. Um, and so you're cutting it and then you're now you're eating it and you're enjoying it. And you're like, and then you, before you know it, you've eaten half a cake. <laughs> God's drawing you and he's calling you. He's like, Hey, I'm here for you. Hey, I have peace for you. I have something greater for you. I've got a greater plan. I have a greater purpose. I have a higher calling for you than the one that you're walking in. And you're like, no, 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 no. And he's like, come up, come up, come to me, come to me. And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm good. I got to get this paycheck first. Come to me, come to me, forgive, forgive those people, walk away from it. Oh, no, 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 I've got some, I've got, I've got some business that I need to attend to. I've got a few more like comebacks. I want to get out before I forgive. And he's like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't harden your heart. If you feel the God, the, the, the drawing of the Holy Spirit, the drawing of God towards him and towards his person and purposes for you. I don't know what your reasons are for resisting the approach to God. So I'll share some of mine. Sometimes I don't believe that he exists. I mean, I know that he exists. But sometimes I don't even have the thought. Let's all have the thought together for just a moment. That right now there's a God who exists, who's expansive and eternal outside of everything that has ever been created. Did you think about it? Did you try and think about it? It's kind of a hard thing to consider, right? Because it's outside of our ability to comprehend. So you kind of flirt with it. But sometimes I I forget that that God took the form of a man and walked on the earth to show us what to express the heart and mind of that God and what it looks like in a man. I forget that. So while I know it, I don't believe it. 
I'm aware of it. I can ascend to it. I could have a conversation about it, but I, but I don't have conviction that it matters for my life today. I don't have conviction that it matters for your life today. That God does have a plan and a purpose for you beyond that which we can imagine or think or create on our own. Sometimes we don't believe that he loves us. Sure, there's a God. Sure, Jesus walked on the face of the earth to demonstrate that love, but his love is for someone else. His love isn't for me. Maybe his love isn't for you because nobody knows the things that you've done and you're not deserving of the love. That's exactly why he came. He came to love the ones perfectly who couldn't receive love for any other reason, but that he first loved us. Sometimes we don't believe that he cares. You know, we we have all these divisions in our definitions, right? So I love you. I just don't like you. Somehow we think that God might love us. We can ascend to it in conversation. We can even believe it, but we don't think he cares or that, he, that he's concerned with the things of our life. That maybe, maybe God doesn't care that you're not sleeping well or maybe he doesn't care that you're having difficulty in your marriage. Maybe he doesn't care about that miscarriage that you had. Maybe he doesn't care about your struggles at work that, that have you trembling like leaves in the wind. That's not the case either. Maybe you don't believe that he can. Maybe, maybe it's just an idea and he's not able to deliver. He's not able to, to, to deliver on his promise to redeem, to restore, to protect, to love. Whatever the reasons, Ahaz decides to decline God's power and he, and he resists the persistence of God. And so Isaiah comes back again and he says, listen now, house of David. He's no longer saying I, Ahaz. Now he's saying house of David. So now he's appealing to Ahaz on the basis of his calling. Now, the tribe of Judah and the scripture that we read during the during the uh, during the Advent moment, it talked about how a great ruler was going to come from the tribe of Judah. It was going to come from David's line. And 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 so now he's saying, hey, bro, I need you to hear this. I'm calling on you, not just because you're Ahaz. I'm calling on you because there's a bigger thing happening. I'm calling on on the on the special line. It's a special call. And there's a basis for this calling of you, Ahaz, and I don't want you to miss it. I want you to have a, a to be able to participate in it. I want you to have a role in this thing that's that's positive. He's reminding him reminding him of his calling in God. Now I call my son David because that's his name. Right? So I call him David. But sometimes when I have something really important that I want to speak to him, I, I speak to him and I say, son, I need you to know something. Son, I need you to understand. And when I do this, actually, it just, just like to really picture it. I, if I'm calling for David, I'm, I'm like, David, I'm normally standing up. But when I call him son, a lot of times I get down like this and I'm like, son, you need to understand something. I need you to hear me on this. This is important because of whatever. Sometimes I'm just like, son, I love you. <laughs> right? You got to know that the, whatever fierceness you hear when I get angry, sometimes I love you with even more ferocity than any anger that I have towards you. So I'm like, from downstairs, son, <laughs> I love you. 
but I want to drive it down. And so I'm calling on him in the basis of being my son. And so he can be like, I am my dad's son. And my dad is my father. And he cares for me. He protects me. He stands with me. He fights for me. He provides for me. He protects me. And so, so it, it, doing it on, on the basis of the relationship, not just on the basis of the title or the name. And so, so Isaiah is coming to him. He's like, listen now, house of David. Hey, big shot. It's not about you. It's about the bigger thing that God's doing. You happen to, you're being invited into it. And it's a pretty awesome opportunity. God wants to call us by son, daughter, valiant warrior, Favored one. These are all titles that God has given to people in scripture at various times as he's called on them to do something great. And you know what's weird? The thing that he called them was often the thing that they felt the least like. Gideon was hiding from the army that was coming and he's like, valiant warrior. (laughs) He's like, Gideon's like hiding from him. He's hiding from the enemy and he's like, you're a warrior. You're a champion. And then you got Mary. Hey, favored one. Mary was not going to feel very favored as her husband was thinking about getting rid of her. As she was thinking about a life of raising a child that Joseph had no role in. Except for like adoptive father. It wasn't going to feel very favored. I remember my mom told me uh, when I was young, she's like, hey, look, you know, you're special. Anybody else's kids get called special? Like you get called special when you're a kid. It was, it had mostly to do with like a walk with God. And, and so sometimes in school, it made it hard to walk with God. It's, it's difficult because it's like, you're not participating in certain things. And it's like, there were times where it's like, I don't want to be special. I'd rather just go all in on the drugs. I didn't. 180's in here. I just want to tell you 180 that you don't have to. You don't have to. Okay. So here, check this out. Hey, 180, listen up. Middle school, high school. I, um, when I was 14 years old, I heard a message by Pastor Brett and he shared about his marriage. And he shared about how, how he, he decided, uh, well, he decided a lot of things. And one of the things that he decided was he wasn't going to kiss his bride until he got to the altar. And I heard that as a 14-year-old. And as a 14-year-old, I thought that the only thing that you do, you like, you listen in church and you do really well, but some of the examples I had were less than good. Not, I'm not speaking of my parents. I'm thinking, speaking of other teenagers where they, they, they looked all good and stuff. And then they get a car and then you go crazy. That's what I thought being a Christian student looked like. You love God. You do the flannel board stuff. You play in kid builders. You, you go to 180. You ask questions to the youth pastor about how, what you should or shouldn't do at prom. And then you go and do the opposite of it. For a lot of reasons, that's, that's the only option that I thought existed. But the reality is there was this completely opposite uh, trajectory, this completely different opportunity that was laid out before me. And it was like, I want that. So at 14 years old, I was like, I'm going to live for Jesus as a middle schooler. I'm going to live for Jesus as a high schooler. And it did get me made fun of a little bit. But now, 15 years after, 20 years, whatever it is after high school, I look back and I'm like, man, I'm glad I didn't go to that party. I'm glad I didn't, I don't have to make up for those mistakes. I'm glad I'm not walking through the pain of those breakups and those, and that nastiness. I'm glad I waited to, to date until I had a job. I'm, I'm just glad. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you what's available to you. 
And I will tell you that, that when you, when you, you, when you sacrifice things for the sake of God and for the sake of your life and relationship with Him, God honors it. He honors faithfulness. He honors purity. He honors holiness. And I encourage you with everything that I have, please resist the temptation to go headlong into those temptations. Amen. Amen. So there is another option. You don't have to do it. You don't have to get your car and go crazy. You can get your car and go to youth group. You can. You can get your car and go pick up your friends and take them to a Bible study. And look, if, if, if youth group's too cheesy for you, come tell me. We'll have a conversation. And we'll have a not cheesy Bible study. Right? Whatever it is. I'm cooler than you think I am. We could talk about that on the back end. There's something cool about a person who just doesn't care. Right? <laughs> it's just not cool enough to be cool. Like on the other side of it, like there's cool and then there's not cool. On the other side of not cool, there's cool again. <laughs> so that's the kind of cool that I am. And I'm, I'll come out. We'll do it. We'll do it. And I can tell you about some Bible studies that I've been in and some Bible studies I've led. They'd surprise you. You don't have to go off the deep end, 180. <laughs> so then Isaiah is like, hey, look, it's one thing to disrespect me. Cool. You want to disrespect me? That's fine. I'm just the messenger. But watch your mouth. Because you're talking about a holy God. So be careful. But you're lucky that he's more patient than me. He's more kind than me. He's more enduring than me. He's more loving than me. He's more compassionate for me. Because even in the midst of your resistance, God insists and God persists and God perseveres. And God's going to do this extraordinary thing, even though you're not even asking for it. I was giving you the opportunity, Ahaz, to align with God's purpose and to come to a place of peace, to come to a place of rest, to come to a place of security and knowing that the God of the universe is fighting on your behalf and you can ride on, you can ride on the coattails of that. You can ride in the momentum of it, in the wake of the power of God. That's what's available to you. That's, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's just a shame that you're going to be outside the wake. It's just a shame that you're going to be outside of the provision. You're going to be outside of the protection. You're going to be outside of the safety as an individual. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear son and call his name Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey at the time that he knows enough to refuse good and choose, uh, refuse evil and choose good. That refuse evil, 180, that's what I'm encouraging you to do. And you can also choose good. It's an option for you. There would be a temporary or like a partial fulfillment of this prophecy in their time. I'm not sure who prophesied it. Somebody who was born to somebody young. And as he, while he was still young, destruction came to the people that were trying to destroy Judah. So that happened. But it would be ultimately fulfilled. It would be completely fulfilled in the person of Jesus 700 years later. And it wouldn't just be a young maiden. It would be a virgin. And we would look back and we'd say, oh, that's the fullness of what it was talking about. Have you ever seen part of a promise? where you were told that you were going to get something and you're like, oh, this must be it. This is great. We're excited. And then you realize that right next to it was the real thing. And you're like, oh, that's even better. 
It's like there are two pieces of cake and one of them's chocolate and one of them's vanilla and you're like, oh, I get the vanilla one. Oh, good. I'm glad to have cake. And then you're like, the chocolate one's mine too. That's a terrible example of the baby Jesus. So there was the, the vanilla chocolate representation and then you got the, no, oh, whatever. You get the wholeness of it. Are you tracking? There was a partial and there was a permanent fulfillment. Of this prophecy, the permanent and total fulfillment was in Jesus himself. It's a marvel that God himself took on flesh to come and share his message with us. Despite all the resistance, God perseveres. Day after day after day and week after week after week, year after year after year encouraging us in his goodness. They had to look forward to a time where they could experience peace and deliverance. We have the privilege of being able to look back. They had to hope that someone would come someday and die the death that we should die and live the life that we should have lived so that that we could have peace with God. They had to hope and long for it. We get to look back and see that it happened. They had to wonder, is it going to happen today? Is it going to happen tomorrow? Will it happen in my lifetime or in my grandchildren's lifetime? We had the opportunity before us today to receive Emmanuel, God with us, into our lives and allow him to be our perfect peace. Allow him to vanquish the... Vanquish, that's a strong word. We had the opportunity for him to destroy, to stand against, to vanquish the enemies that are teaming up against us so that we can walk in the fullness of the peace and joy and hope of God. Amen. Amen. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, this Christmas weekend, we celebrate your faithfulness through the generations. We celebrate you, a God who never forgets. We celebrate that you're a God who humbled himself so that we could be friends so that we could be sons, so that we could be daughters, so that we could be reconciled to you and experience all of the benefits therein. Life, joy, peace. And God, we get to enjoy all the fruits of your spirit as we walk in relationship with you. And for that, we say thank you. Today and tomorrow, As we celebrate Christmas, God, I ask that you would help us to lift our eyes beyond the presence and that we would remember your faithfulness and your goodness in Jesus' name.